Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Let's speak to somebody now who's uh, hanging out in an airport and is also probably uh, pretty tired as well. His name is Wave Nunnally, and he was on this morning with Bo and Beth. Uh, and uh, so we want to kind of get a check-in and an update with him. Wave, how are you? We're doing well. Thank you very much, Pete. Absolutely. So uh, so who all are you uh, traveling with? You said we. Okay, so my wife is with me, and there were uh, two, there are two ladies that are traveling with us who are going to help us with two groups, uh, study study groups where we study the Bible in context, on site, uh, but neither of those groups were able to make it into the country because their flights were canceled. Ah, okay, so you were sort of like an advance team, if you will. You you had gone ahead and the groups were coming after? We typically get here uh, two to three days before the group is scheduled to start so that we can start getting over jet lag. We're about eight hours different. And uh, so when we were on the way uh, uh, from Atlanta to Ben uh, Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv, uh, we were over the Atlantic when the first missiles began to fly at about 6 o'clock or 6.30 a.m. on uh, Saturday. So when we got here, we arrived to a war. Did you know that while you were on the plane? Absolutely not. Uh, In fact, I checked with several other flights and it seemed like uh, that there may, I, I, this might sound a little bit paranoid, but there may have been a little bit of collusion because not all planes Wi-Fi go, goes out at the, at the same time. But that seems to be what happened. Everybody that we were able to check with, they either turned the Wi-Fi off or uh, something um, really strange was going on, but no Wi-Fi signal. And so we actually didn't know that we were had arrived to the middle of a war until we were in a taxi and on the way to our, our first hotel. So not even in the airport? Not even in the airport. Well, we got a we we got a, a kind of a forewarning. We 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 think because we saw some uh, portable green signs that said in Hebrew to the bomb shelter. As soon as we got off the plane, and I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and we said, yeah, "We've never seen those here before. Mm. Uh, were we daydreaming, or is this something that is that's new?" And just trying to get our luggage and trying to get, you know, through um, passport control and all that stuff. We're not having a whole lot of time to process, but uh, then it all made sense when we started hearing it on the local news in Hebrew. Yeah, I was going to ask at some point, do you look back and start saying, oh, that was a clue. Oh, that was a clue that you that because yeah, definitely, of the uh, definitely as soon as we got uh, got off the jetway, and we saw the first portable green sign. Then we, uh, after we heard it on the radio and we're talking to the driver of the taxi, it all started to fall together for us. Did you notice uh, or think back and realize the way people were behaving besides the signs? Like, was there any kind of a difference in uh, the way people were, were greeting you or serving you or whatever in the, in the airport? You know, not really. I mean, the people that were getting off the plane with us and other planes, they're, they're mostly non-Hebrew speakers. 
all of the, the, the signage was in Hebrew, so they wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. They probably found out the same way we did, by accident, by uh, speaking to someone out on the sidewalk, a taxi driver or whatever. All right, so you go outside, you're talking to a taxi driver. Do you actually get into the taxi at that point and go someplace? Yes, that's when we heard it on the radio, on the on the local news, and then the taxi driver started talking about what was on the radio and assumed that we knew, and we didn't. So we're on the way north from Tel Aviv. We ended up in Netanya, which is about 19 and a half miles north of uh, straight up the coastline, Mediterranean, eastern Mediterranean coastline, beautiful location, gorgeous sun-baked beaches, wonderful people, you know, serving food and playing on the beach and vacationing with their families. And, I mean, life was going on, you know, as normal, at least for a while. Mm. So when did that change? So later on that evening, about 8 o'clock, we got a big barrage of rockets that were also shot from Gaza, like the other 2,500, and the uh, Iron Dome um, uh, protective um, uh, anti-aircraft-type stuff that the United States has given to Israel, that then Israel improved and adapted for its own purposes, caught all of those, and none of them even fell to the ground. But we were we sure did hear the blast. Mm-hmm. And so it was at that point that we were uh, sent by the hotel staff to uh, the uh, basement and a bomb shelter there that also doubled as a synagogue. Is that a normal thing you go over? Right? It sounds like you go over to uh, Israel pretty regularly. Is it a normal thing to go down to the bomb shelters? It, it is when you have situations like we found ourselves in. Uh, sure. And that's just normal. Yeah. So, yes, we've been coming. We've been, we moved here in 1982, and I did a master's degree in Jerusalem uh, in Hebrew language. And we have been, I've been studying here, teaching here, uh, researching and writing from here since 1982. So, over 40 years. All right. So, this is, so. That in and of itself, but obviously against the backdrop of what was going on down in southern Israel, this is this obviously now is a, it's a, it's a different kind of experience, a different kind of feeling and thought. To some degree, yes. Um, but when we moved here in 1982, we also moved into the middle of a war. It was called Operation Peace for Galilee. And uh, it was the first Lebanon war. Mm-hmm. And uh, Israel was entangled, involved in that for years. Um, so you're so at some point you decide you're going back to the airport, right? Uh, as of yes, uh, today, right? Actually, last night we decided uh, we're going to go to the airport as soon as we can because there's a prediction of another wave of violence that might possibly come from the West Bank. Uh, the uh, leaders of Hamas, the terror organization that controls the Gaza Strip, has called for uh, it has called for uprising of um, uh, Palestinians, um, uh, Muslims all over the world, but especially the West Bank. So we've got a front on the south southern end with the Gaza Strip. As of yesterday, there were uh, lots and lots of dozens of rockets that were launched from southern Lebanon by uh, Hezbollah or Hezbollah, uh, and they, um, uh, some of them fell. Most of those were intercepted by, uh, by Patriot missiles up north. Uh, so we're, you know, we're looking at a, at a war that is trying to open up on a second front on the northern border with Lebanon. Um, 
Syria shot about a dozen um, missiles of various kinds, rockets, drones, etc. And uh, now we're looking at a possible third front from within. And uh, so we didn't want to get caught in the middle of that in Natanya, 20 miles from the airport. And so we have now relocated to a place that is uh, near the airport. Okay, so you're not actually inside the airport right now. You're waiting near the, the airport. The last, yeah, the last interview that I gave, we were in the airport. Okay. Now, because we're trying to find a place to lay down and sleep for a few hours, we've gotten a hotel that is the closest hotel to the airport itself. Gotcha. We'll be returning there at 8 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Are you confident you're going to get a flight? Um. I'm more confident than I was if you'd asked me that a couple of hours ago. It looked <laughs> like to us that the uh, the one flight that we've been able to get ticketed for, it's an El Al flight. It's Israel's national airline. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've contracted out to a small a smaller carrier that's going to puddle jump us over to Cyprus, to Larnaca, Cyprus. And then from there, we're supposed to go on to Qatar and then hopefully on to the United States. Don't ask me why. It's kind of, you know, backward, traveling backward to get forward. But it's the best that we could do in these conditions. They're very limited flights uh, going out of um, uh, Ben-Gurion Airport right now. United is, has uh, canceled all its flights. Delta's canceled all its flights. Turkish Air's canceled all its flights, et cetera. So there are only a few airlines flying. Yeah. I saw that, uh, I think yesterday or maybe the day before, that they had canceled, uh, the major carriers had canceled flights, but I had also seen that uh, the U.S. government was telling people to get, you know, get out and make their own way, buy tickets on the, on commercial craft, but the commercial carriers had already canceled their flights, and uh, I also saw a report that they're wanting to charge people some sort of fee or something to get like the American government is charging, wants to charge people. Have you gotten any kind of assistance from the U.S. government to get out? Uh, yes and no. I mean, um, they have been encouraging, and we have websites to go to, and we filled out the STEP form so that we got on the list. But um, And so they told us initially, we're hoping to get you out today. That's today, as in right now. Mm-hmm. Um and at the at the worst, we're hoping to maybe get you out early Friday morning. But a few hours ago, we were contacted by the State Department, and they said that they as yet had not been able to uh, secure contracts with any carriers to come in and help evacuate Americans from um, Israel. Um, all right. Is there anything else before I let you go that you want uh, folks to know that's important or interesting? Well, I, I'd like for everybody to just step back and take a deep breath and think about um, how long did the six-day war last? It's not a trick question, I promise. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing six, six days. days. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the Yom Kippur War, uh, 1973, n- uh, not very long. And so uh, wars in the Middle East are not like wars, you know, with the European powers of the United States or whatever. There's uh, limited resources, and they tend to to burn themselves out pretty quickly. So I'm expecting for reasons that and reasons in addition to that, that this is going to be relatively short-lived. And Israel is such a wonderful country and has so incredibly much to afford people who come here to do serious study of the Bible. They've got history, they've got archaeology, the geography uh, uh, of 
biblical locations and battles and uh, migration routes and events and that kind of thing that always fit so beautifully with what we see, what we can still see with our, our eyes today. Um, there, there are museums all over the place and just such rich um, biblical history, Old and New Testament, um, uh, that uh, it, it is, it's so worth it. The people are wonderful. They're, they're warm. They're inviting. The, the food's amazing. Uh, the sites are to die for, and it's, no pun intended, I, there. Uh, no. But this is just a great place uh, to spend a, a week, a week and a half, two weeks, studying the Bible, where it actually happened, in its original context, um, surrounded by the language and the world of, that, that, that the biblical authors knew, like the back of their hand, that they assumed that we know. And so we are committed to continuing to bring Israel to the people in the United States and the people in the United States to Israel to have this immersive, you know, um, 3D, high-resolution, um, almost hologram biblical experience. Uh, and uh, this, too, will pass. Wave, not only we uh, wish you all we wish you all a safe travels, uh, you and your family and your colleagues and friends. Uh, stay safe, and thank you very much for taking some time to chat with us. And would you mind if we uh, touch base with you again to uh, get a status update on you? Yeah, we'd be happy to. Thank you all for right. having us on. Absolutely. God bless. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Wave, not only... All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. That's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. All righty, so yesterday we spoke with the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, here in North Carolina, the Speaker, um, about the resolution that was brought forward at the end of the day after they had gone through all their business, and uh, it was a resolution in support of Israel. And we saw a dozen Democratic representatives and uh, about four, I think, Senate Democrats take a walk, as they say, they they left the chamber so as to not have to vote. Which is an act of cowardice. That's what that is. If you don't believe in supporting the resolution, then vote against it. But they didn't want to vote against it because they're afraid of the politics of it. They're afraid of the PR of it, which is, by the way, the same reason why you've got people denying that babies were beheaded. By Hamas. They don't want to acknowledge that. They're they're willing to acknowledge that a whole bunch of babies got murdered. Babies and children and women and the elderly, they all got slaughtered. Yeah, 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 fine. But not beheadings. Why? It's the PR hit. They realize that's too far. They realize that 
draws a really bright line for people. And they're trying to uh, dismiss it, hand wave it away, because they've aligned themselves politically with people that have been chanting about decolonization. And now the people who were chanting that are saying, oh, yeah, this is what we meant. And the politicians recognize, oh, this is really bad PR for me. But they are also afraid of alienating that group. They don't want to run afoul of their friends. Right? What does evil need? For good people to do nothing in the face of that evil. Right? Literally the definition of what the Democrats did when they walked out. They did nothing. They wouldn't eat. They couldn't even bring themselves to condemn it. And that's how it starts. And so when they say never again, that's what they mean. That's what we mean. When we say never again, that's what that's supposed to mean. So you stand up early, you stand up quickly and you cite the stuff and you say, this isn't, you know, this is wrong. This is evil. And even now you can't do it. Then I am putting you squarely in the camp of team baby beheading rapists. That's where you are. You've declared yourself for that team. I will, I will recognize your declaration. Now, they've now put out a statement trying to explain why they wouldn't uh, take a position. All righty, so uh, a, couple of, uh, or, yeah, a couple of Democrats walked out of uh, North Carolina General Assembly chambers rather than have to weigh in on resolutions in support of Israel. And uh, so there have been a couple of um, uh, statements now that have come out as to why they did so. And I think yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we talked about, um, yeah, we, yesterday we talked about, uh, there was a, a, an overall statement. By the way, still haven't seen anything from the State Democrat Party, the uh, uh, the kindergartner who is the chair of the party. I'm just kidding. I'm just She's like 26. She's very young. She's the youngest. And she's rural, y'all. She's going to get the rural votes, y'all. And the way she's going to get the, the, the rural votes, y'all, is because she keeps saying y'all. Because she's from the rural areas. Anyway, um, they have not. she hasn't said anything. And so now you've got these Democrats that are flailing because they're cowards. I mean, that's, that's what's going on is they're cowards. If, look, if you want to run a resolution that both sides this thing, you know, that you're know, like, oh, there are good people on both sides. If you want to do that, then introduce some resolutions. You're free to do so. But they haven't. So first, this is from Democrat Representative Gloristine Brown on why she did not vote for the resolution on Israel. Quote, I am a strong supporter of the people of Israel and the right of all civilians in every land to dignify, sorry, in every, the, the right of all civilians to dignity, safety, and the basic tenets of human life. The United States of America must stand strong in its friendship to Israel and continue to defend its liberty. Terrorism is always a morally repugnant act. However, you knew there was a but coming, right? I believe strongly that the collective punishment of millions of civilians in Gaza is wrong as well. And this belief should be echoed in the actions of our body. Well, then why didn't you vote no? Why not vote no? As a body which does not legislate foreign policy in this country, I believe our work should center around materially improving the lives of North Carolinians 
through the protect. Wait, I thought silence was violence here. Gloristine, Gloristine, Gloristine. I don't know. Representative Brown, I thought silence was violence. So we found, we have finally found, apparently, the one instance where silence is not violence. Apparently, it's when you slaughter Jews. That's okay to be silent then. We need to focus on the work of the state. Now, they had done all the work of the state. The session was over, or the day was over. They had run all their bills. They were wrapping up, and they're like, hey, we got this resolution. And rather than vote on that, they took a walk. I don't know how much time they had to prepare for it. I really don't. I, 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 I should have asked the speaker. I just thought of it right now. Like, how much of a heads up did these Democrats have? Because maybe they didn't have any kind of heads up. Maybe it was just something that was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to add this to the agenda. Let's throw this out there. And the state representatives didn't know what to do. Because, you know, politics is an art. And, you know, the better you are at the art, the higher you rise in the elected offices, right? And so... At the state legislative level, there may be some people who are not very good at this, right? They came out of a school board seat, if even that. And now they're in the state legislature, and they get thrown this curveball, and they're like, I don't know what to do. And so they just panic, and they just run away. They freeze. So they don't know what to do. She says, as a body that doesn't have uh, foreign, that doesn't legislate foreign policy in this country, I believe our work should center around materially improving the lives of North Carolinians through the protection of our state's clean water provision of adequate health care, protecting our voting rights. No, no defending democracy. She didn't mention that. I don't know why. Usually that's in there. Oh, although she says protection of our voting rights. But I suspect this was. These comments are regarding the bills that the vetoes that were overridden by the legislature actions that were taken prior to the the resolution in support of Israel. So that's her excuse. I just saw this one from uh, Greg Meyer. I'm a state legislator and we are elected to govern on state and local issues, not weigh in on foreign affairs, which are not our expertise nor our jurisdiction. Dude, do you represent any Jews? Wait, are you Jewish? I think he, wait, seriously. Do you know how, you know how often the legislature weighs in on all manner of issues, just all sorts of them. They pass resolutions on everything all the time. This is not new. Cities do it. Counties do it. School boards do it. But as a human, he says, what I see is the toll of hatred and war on real people, and it's horrible. I condemn the recent attacks by the terrorist group Hamas and all forms of violence. So, okay, kudos for Senator Meyer. He at least called Hamas a terrorist group. Uh, What it will take to find peace in this situation is beyond me, but I will not put my energy or my very limited influence into encouraging war. How about justice? I thought you were a social justice guy. Don't you run a company that teaches like DEI, social justice warrior garbage? Instead, he says, I remain focused on my job, fighting to improve the lives of North Carolinians. May we all commit to pursue pursue peace and prosperity here and abroad. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Pursue peace abroad? 
I thought you had very limited influence. Why would you trying to be pursuing peace abroad? What, what's up with that? Here's the problem with all of with all of these deflective statements. It assumes, first off, that we're idiots and we don't know the history. And to be fair, a lot of us are educated in the public school system, so we are idiots and don't know history. So uh, it relies on us not knowing that if Israel actually had a partner in peace, there would be peace. This has been the case for decades. They have asked for peace. And the reply is, die. Get off the land and die. Those, those, are the, those are the opening negotiation stand, uh, 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 positions. And I've said it for years. What's the compromise to that? Israel tried land for peace. They have tried it repeatedly over decades, and they are met with violence. What do you think the Gaza Strip was? That's what, that, was that was the whole point of the Gaza Strip. Give them the land. We're out. We don't want it. Take it. Govern. Have your land. And what have they done with it? They made a terrorist training camp out of it. That's what they did with it. That's a partner in peace. The way you end this war, I'll tell you, Senator Meyer, I'm not, look, I'm no foreign uh, diplomat or, or international expert either, but I got some ideas on how you end the war pretty quickly. You know how? Hamas releases all of the hostages immediately. They surrender all of the uh, terrorists who committed the barbarous acts. And... Hamas itself uh, dismantles itself and uh, uh, tears up its charter and then turns itself into Israel to be prosecuted for war crimes. In other words, surrender. That's the way you end the violence. Oh, is that not going to happen? Is that too much? Too far? No? All right. Then I guess war it is because one side is hell-bent on war. So they've, they've taken hostage, women and children hostages. Yeah, war is awful. It's hell. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Jerry, welcome to the program. How are you, Jerry? Uh, I'm great, Pete. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, now more, you know, I think I'm falling in love with you more today than I ever have before. <laughs> I'm loving your stance on all of this. So respect, all due respect to Mrs. Callender. Um I just wanted to say, though, two, two quick things. The geniuses in the North Carolina state legislature, uh, yeah, it shouldn't take, like, meeting in 24 hours or overnight or blah, blah, blah. To say to, to vote yes on a on a resolution that supports Israel, period. In my opinion, yeah. But but I'm Jewish, so I might be a little biased. Uh, and the other thing is the the one thing that I like to point at, that I have enjoyed pointing out to people um, is that nobody's squealing about the brutality committed on the Palestinians by Hamas Mm-mm. when the Jews are not involved, and that a number of Palestinian people, Palestinian Israelis, have 
said online, and again, I've shared with people, the Palestinian people are very likely going to end up thanking Israel when they finally get rid of Hamas and they can live like free people again, uh, not, not enslaved to this brutal regime. Um, it, it's just been so shocking, you know, for someone who's grown up, you know, hearing about the Holocaust and everything, and I don't know whether I had any relatives generations back that were killed in it, but as a Jew, this weekend has just been... It's just unspeakably awful, scary. It really is the, the event that has pushed me finally. I'm, I, I have an appointment at a gun range. I'm going to go get trained and licensed or, you know, get my permit and everything. Mm-hmm. Because this whole never again that I've grown up, you know, that we've grown up with never again. Well, you know what? Booing on that because never again happened. Never again is now. Right. Never again is today. But what? Yeah. And what does that mean? To happen again in the future. Right. The whole point of never again was we're going to get our country. We're going to arm ourselves. We're going to have a military to defend ourselves, and it's never going to happen to us again. And that was the point. And so, yeah, it's self-defense. And so, yeah, buy buy guns, get trained, buy ammo, um, and you know, learn first aid. Uh, all of these things they're important. Very quickly, last thing, I was so ignorant that, like, I didn't even know that Jews in Israel, for the most part, are not armed. Like, you'd think that they're surrounded by countries that hate them and despise them, yet here is a country where people willingly gave up, like, being armed and being able to protect themselves because they want peace. That's, that's, that's the whole basis for, for Israel. And for, when people condemn, when condemn them, I'd say, go live there. Go live there with your children for a couple of months and have to run to a bomb shelter. Personally, I've never been. You couldn't pay me to go, and I certainly would never live there. But I I applaud the people who are, because I'm not brave enough, I applaud the people who are brave enough to do that and live with that. Well, yeah, I was surprised to learn, I think it's like a 2% gun ownership rate in Israel. Yeah, Yeah. I was shocked at that as well. I would have thought I, I did think the same thing. Now, because there are a lot of, uh, because they do like the mandatory conscription, right, um, at age 20 or 18 or whatever it is, uh, there are a lot of people that have the training for firearms. Um, and some of those people who stay in the military for longer, I think they then get to keep firearms after they get out. They're more likely to be armed. And so some of those people were able to fight back. But what's, uh, where they, where the uh, the terrorists hit was in this area along down in the you know near Gaza outside of the the buffer zone or whatever, um, and they're on these farms and they're there and a lot of them are like just like with that rave it was like for the for peace these are like progressive liberal Jews that were down there the ones who were like pro Palestine statehood and all of this and they they got massacred alongside any far right. You know, uh, Israeli nationalist type. It didn't matter. It doesn't. It didn't matter to the uh, to the terrorists. Right. Right. Well, to a terror to 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 Hamas terrorist to uh, other Middle Eastern terrorists, a Jew is a Jew, and the only good Jew is we know what. But th- there was also I don't remember the name of the kibbutz. There was the kibbutz where they committed these atrocities, and then there was the kibbutz where they where they were able where they did have arms at the kibbutz. And they were able to to fight off and kill the terrorists when they when they got in when they got into the farm. So mm-hmm. Well, it that, should answer that should be a lesson to us to to demand that we are allowed to 
continue the Second Amendment. Yeah. Well, and it's a it's a lesson, too, when you hear people say, oh, why does anybody need an AR-15? Well, right. I, I think you have your answer. You know? There you go. Yeah. Jerry, appreciate so the call. Much, All right. Take care. Thank you. Um, yeah. It, it, and, and I know what folks on the left and the gun grabbers, they're going to say, oh, 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 that's over in Israel. That's that's totally not the same here. Is it, though? Have you seen any riots recently? The breakdown of law and order, civil society, people get, the Israelis were, they get um, lulled into a false sense of security. The Iron Dome helped do that. The Iron Dome, because it was so effective, it is so effective, a lot of people got lulled into this false sense of peace. And there wasn't. It was an illusion. It's a mirage. Just like with civil society, you are, we, we are always very close. We are, you know, like, we're, we're 24 to 48 hours away from the breakdown of society when you turn the lights out. Right? That's, that's how close it is. And a lot of people don't think in those terms. But we need to, because it's the truth. All right, uh, news is next, and then we're going to talk with the uh, chairman of the Libertarian Party of North Carolina about all of this. Up next.